Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our usual weekly chat, talking all things Penguins here. Andrew Destin, of course, joined by Matt Menzel, my colleague here at the Post-Gazette. Uh, the two of us covering the Penguins for you guys. Uh, before we get into today's conversation, which is going to deal a lot with the Penguins' goalie situation, I want to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. There's no better place to get windows and doors installed in your home than Pella, who can help you save on energy costs year-round. Schedule free in-home consultation with your local Pella windows and doors to find the right product for your home and budget. Give them a call at 866-593-1560 to discuss your project further. Again, that's 866-593-1560 to get started planning on your new windows and doors installation with Pella windows and doors of Pittsburgh. All right, Matt, it's been a uh, hectic... Before we get started, I just want to point out that... (laughs) Andrew is back in his childhood bedroom yep. in California. So if you guys can zoom in and see what's going on in the background, <laughs> got some Penn State stuff. Who's who's that basketball player in the back? All right. Nothing nothing inflammatory. I thought there might be like a, a Matt Nieto poster there or something uh, like that. Seems like well, a pretty normal. Well, if I, if I pan it. Co- corona. Corona. Yeah, I got Corona. But if you pan there, you'll see uh, Barclay Goodrow celebrating with uh, – Joe Thornton after they beat the Golden Knights on the comeback, the Joe Pavelski game. Um, so okay. th- there's my bias. I'll, I'll point out the embarrassing for you. Okay. All right. What do, what do we want to talk about today? Sorry to oh. cut you off. No, no, please. I, I had a hunch that was coming. I didn't think it would be that early in the podcast, but, you know, I'm, I'm glad we got it in. Um, I think we're talking goalies. Um, you know, I could talk about how nice the weather is here in California um, versus Pittsburgh in November, but I feel like that's kind of missing the point of the podcast, right? Correct. Okay. Um, goalie situation, right? We're coming off a weekend where Tristan Jari was in net Saturday in Carolina, kind of a mixed bag on his end. Now Nelkovic uh, has a heck of a weekend. Uh, the conditioning stint on Friday with the game uh, with Wilkes-Barre, he scores a goal, second of his AHL career, then comes out Sunday and has a shutout, the eighth of his NHL career. Guy who looks pretty confident. Um, there's a lot of ways we can start off this goalie conversation. Um, but, you know, I, I guess we'll start with the question here that's right below us is uh, with the way things have been going with Tristan this year, with Nedeljkovic now back in the fold, uh, do we see Tristan get pushed a little bit more than he was with uh, when Magnus Helberg was the backup here for a week stint or so? Yeah, potentially. I mean, I think that's the right way to frame it. Um, you know, obviously with Tristan still being up and down and then Nedeljkovic coming in and, and playing pretty well against Vegas. I mean, you were at that game. I was traveling. Um, seemed like it was a pretty good defensive game as well in front of them. Um, but yeah, there's already sort of like the clamoring, like, okay, let's make Nadalkovich the starter. And, um, you know, Jari's got to sit down. I, I think let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Um, but yeah, ideally, Nadalkovich will continue to play well. And it gives Mike Sullivan another option if Tristan continues to be up and down. I mean, I think people are frustrated with the goaltending situation. Maybe they're, they're, kind of looking at the big picture of Tristan Jari's career, um, not only the the big playoff meltdown against the Islanders um, a couple of years back, but just kind of the up and down. We continue to see it from him. But I think most teams would, at least half the teams in the league, would be happy with the goaltending the Penguins have gotten so far. I mean, I pulled up some numbers from Sport Logic here. Um, as a team, that's including Nadalkovic, Jari, and uh, Helberg. Um, they're ninth in the league in save percentage. They're 12th in the league in save percentage on shots from the slot. So these really good looks. 
Um, they have 10 quality starts in how many games is it now? 17 games. 17. Yeah. Um, that's like a, around 10th, 11th in the league. So, yeah, there's been some frustrating games in there from Jari, but um, the Penguins are actually getting pretty decent goaltending overall. Now, some of that is Nadelkovic and Helberg playing well. Um, Tristan's kind of sitting in the, the mid-20s in a lot of these categories as an individual. Um, but the Penguins have actually gotten pretty solid goaltending overall. And, you know, I think Helberg did well. Obviously, Mike Sullivan was hesitant to, to put him back out there. He was riding Jari, and, and maybe that was part of was trying to get Jari going. But, yeah, we'll see if Nedeljkovic can do it. Um, you know, Tristan really hasn't been pushed since Matt Murray left town. Um, you know, it seemed like he really responded to that challenge and won the job from Matt Murray. Um, Casey DeSmith, who's actually playing pretty well for Vancouver, just was never really able to do it. It was, it was clear that he was there to support um, Tristan and not push him. So maybe Nadalkovic gets it going. Um, I'm a little skeptical um, just because we're talking about three games here so far from Nadalkovic. It's not a huge sample size. You kind of look at the previous two years. But anyways, that was just a lot of word vomit for me R respond to something blank oh. let us know you're still alive okay. <laughs> i'm still here don't worry i didn't it's not like i flew across the country or nothing um it, um my, my big takeaway from that is one point that kind of stands out to me and i guess i didn't previously consider was the work of the guys in front of uh, whoever's in net and you kind of touched on it there of what the defense is letting up um has that been a different effort that you think the penguins have put forth that maybe is a more I don't want to know if stringent is the word to describe this team because, I mean, we've talked about how offense is really what this team is predicated on, but um, is the work in front maybe what's contributing to, you know, so, because it's some standout games, right, where I think they've got four shutouts as a team, Jari's five. Um, five now. So, like, you look at these lists, it's, you know, there's some games where there really are some stonewalling defensive efforts. Is that a consensus across the board or are those more um, aberrations rather than the truth of what this team has put forth in the ice in front of whoever's in that? Yeah, and it should be noted. I mean, obviously, with five shutouts, it's gonna it's gonna skew some of those numbers I was spitting out earlier, um, because you know, sixteen, seventeen games isn't a massive sample size, but those, those shutouts still happen. But yeah, I, I think the defensive effort, the turning point, really, maybe it'll be a turning point for you personally, Andrew, is uh, they went out to California and they got some stuff figured out. So um, we'll see if that happens to you. Um, but it it was a difference. Like they had that game where against the Ducks before they went out there when they allowed just that back-breaking, you know, shorthanded goal with 11 seconds left. And they went out to California and, and sure, they, they played San Jose and that helped um, kind of get them going. But their defensive efforts have been so much better since then. Um, and, you know, it starts with their decisions with the puck. I mean, they're not having these, you know, brutal giveaways as, as many as they were previously that helps in not allowing a bunch of rush chances. Um, they've kind of changed up the way they forecheck a little bit. I mean, they're, they're kind of sitting back. Um, instead of, you know, early in the year, we saw them send a guy or two in um, aggressively in the forecheck, and they wouldn't get there, and it was just, you know, wide open three on two coming back the other way. So they've kind of sagged back in the neutral zone, cluttering the neutral zone a little bit more. And that's why you haven't seen as many rush chances, which is always like a key statistic for this team. When the Penguins are allowing a lot of rush chances, they're they're usually losing. So, you know, I think that's all factored in. And then, you know, inside the zone, they're they're all right defending. I mean, I know they don't have the biggest guys, but they use their speed and they they keep people on the outside for the most part. So, I think all those factors um, have contributed to some of these shutouts, and particularly just you know across the board goal prevention here over the last two and a half weeks. It, it kind of feels like 
they, they had some time to regroup before they headed to California. And then they had a lot of off days there. It sounds like maybe they decided at that point to make some tactical tweets and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe focused in a little bit more on that side of the puck. It's kind of an intriguing conversation because I think there's you know multiple answers to the question I'm going to follow up with here. But um, when you talk about that four check, it's a change, you know, we've noticed, um, you know, what do you think was the response to that? What was the reasoning for that? You know, maybe it's as simple as results based. It wasn't good enough earlier in the season and Sullivan was you know willing to change. But um, do you think that stemmed from roster construction? Maybe that um, there was a need to change up that four check. Was that more so based on the results of what had happened wasn't good enough in the three and six start. Like, what do you think uh, was the motivation for that switch from Sullivan? Yeah, I think it's results based, plain and simple. I mean, some of the some of the the numbers from Sport Logic about you know them being able to generate offense themselves off the forecheck were pretty promising before they they changed things. But they were just allowing too many wide open odd man rushes. I mean, basically they send one guy in really hard at the puck in the corner. They have two guys kind of wider and those guys just weren't able to get there with the speed that they did previously, you know, a few years ago when the Penguins just had more team speed. And with those guys kind of pinching along the walls, not kind of getting there, um, you know, it was just too easy for the other team to kind of make a pass right into the middle to a center, someone skating through. And suddenly you have a, a three on two or a two on one off of it or, or just bad pinches. So I, I think like, obviously they, they still believe they, have a, a fast enough team if you just look at the way they play, you know, in all three zones. But, you know, I, I do think the Penguins had to look at the fact that they just were allowing so many easy odd man rushes because the forecheck wasn't really hitting home and decided, okay, let's let's kind of make some tweaks. And then it worked. And then it was easy for them to to kind of stick with it too. Because w w when they are cluttering the neutral zone, when they, when they go that route, I mean, it is an opportunity for counterattack chances for them. So I, I think that's like the the, the hardest thing to sell to this particular group of players is, um, you know, if we play this way, yeah, we're going to defend better, but it's not going to affect your offensive chances. And I think if the players can see, okay, we can, we can change, we can be a little more defensive oriented, or we can sit back and we're still going to get our points and our goals. Um, you know, it's a little bit of an easier sell for some of these players. Yeah, definitely something to keep monitoring. It's a storyline that, you know, something fascinating that we've both observed here these last handful of games and um, certainly one they keep tabs on. Um, to well, let's circle back to Jari before you, yeah. before we move on. Um, you read my yeah. mind. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, um, it's the same thing from him. I mean, he was playing well. He had the, the fluke injury out in California, only missed a few games, came back without really practicing and, um, had another strong game against was that against Buffalo. Yeah. Um, and then you kind of like, okay, he's, he's going to get going. And um, then he has a little bit of a letdown. They lose a game. And, and then Carolina, um, he was okay. But like uh, there were a few plays where if the puck is one inch in a different direction, we're looking at things completely differently. Um, you know, for one, the, uh, hurricanes were offsides on that one play and and obviously the penguins successfully challenged but that's an instance where tristan didn't make a save um you know carolina hit a couple posts early aho had a great look he couldn't tuck it in and then there was that play where they they just kind of innocent shot and jari went to glove it and it hit his glove and almost flipped in and you know one or two of those pucks bounced a different way and they're kind of looking at him completely differently so yeah it's just like um it's just like the same lapses. It's the same things from him. And you can tell the Penguins are are frustrated 
with some of these lapses in concentration as well. Just like kind of little plays, he'll you know go behind the net to make a play and take an unnecessary risk or batting at pucks around the crease that maybe he can just let go. So I don't know. It's just a lot of little things from him that add up to just a guy that has just not been consistent this year. And uh, and and obviously, if Nadelkovich is consistent, um, you know, I think we will see more of a. It's not going to be a 50-50 split unless Nadelkovich just really gets gets really hot. But, you know, he's definitely going to be in line for more of a workload than what we saw from Casey DeSmith the last two, three years. Right. Certainly probably not a 50-50 split. But, you know, you look at the next handful of days coming up, starting with the game on Wednesday. I believe it's three games in four days where you're traveling to Buffalo on a Friday and you come back and play uh, the Maple Leafs on Saturday. Um, if you're Coach Mike Sullivan here, you're looking at this stretch of three games in four days. I mean, how would you – kind of map it out is do you give the Wednesday to Ned as a reward for the shutout or is he getting the first or second leg of a back-to-back how would you kind of approach this or what do you expect I guess to be the approach from the coaching staff here I don't know but I mean you make a great point I mean he Mike Sullivan could very well go back to Nadalkovich against the Rangers um that's who they play Wednesday right yes yeah it's a it's a you know it's a big game division game they, they just dropped a couple in the division um you know, this past week and Nadalkovich played well, I, I could see him going back to him. So, it, yeah, I think it's going to be telling um, what he ultimately decides to do because whoever plays Wednesday is going to be getting two out of the next three. And if that player is Nadalkovich, it, it's three out of four if you factor in the last game. So that'll tell us where Sullivan is, uh, you know, on Jari, you know, if he wants to, to stick with him and, and let him get going. But if he says, okay, we're, we're going to go with Ned against the Rangers. Um, then that maybe suggests that Ned is going to have a chance to, to run with the crease for a little bit. Yeah, certainly something to watch for here during some important games for the Penguins, just in terms of divisional standings, as well as, you know, a trio of Eastern Conference foes. So certainly some games to monitor, but especially who's going to be in net there for the Pens. Um, pivoting well, we now. Gotta, we, well, we got to, we got to, the, there's a very important Adelkovich thing that we must discuss. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's not even a goal. The dude, the dude scored a goal over the weekend, and it wasn't even the, the most interesting thing that he did. So we, he just walked into the locker room after the game, that game with a Miles Garrett jersey on. Yep, same one that you and I saw him in, in practice, like whatever four or five days ago. You know, he leaves. Uh, he gets uh, changed after the game, departs. Same way Jari does sometimes when he talks to the media. Comes back into the scrum just wearing a Miles Garrett jersey, and everybody starts laughing. He's like, "What's funny?" Yeah, he played it off perfectly. It's amazing. I can't believe people are upset about that. Like some fans are like, so so, uh, because he's from Cleveland, he just needs to immediately root for all Pittsburgh sports teams. I honestly find it disingenuous when, you know, some of these players or or the teams like tweet about the other team, like, or like the other teams in town. Like, I I don't think most of these guys like are are true Pirates fans or Tours fans. Why should they have to be? I just, I just don't understand that. I applaud Nadelkovich. Um, for having the stones to do that and just being like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rub it in all these people's faces. I, I, you know, what's not to like about that? Sports are supposed to be fun. The rivalry is fun. The Steelers have had plenty of uh, success over the the Browns. So let this man have his one day. I mean, it's not like he let up eight goals and he did that. He, he had a shutout. I, I, I think we can give him a pass on that one. And honestly, I applaud him. I, I thought it was amazing. Oh, I'm same same page as you. I have nothing further to add to that other than that just yeah, stones to the guy. He 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 had every right to do so. And yeah, I mean, he has every right also to not be a Browns fan from Cleveland, right? I mean, this isn't like you're rooting for the Dallas Cowboys or something. I mean, you're rooting for 
franchise that's kind of had some struggles the last two decades. So I give him give him props for kind of shoving it to Steelers fans there. No offense. Sport, to sports are supposed to be fun. Rivalries are supposed to be fun. I mean, think about it. Like if you're if there's a, a John Gibson, I don't know if John Gibson played for the Columbus Blue Jackets and wore a Steelers jersey after a game. Everybody would love it here. So it's just kind of think about it from the other side of it would be would be my advice. I'm just glad you and I see eye to eye on that. I thought it was awesome. And I tip the cap to stick taps to my, uh, to Alex and Delkovich on that one. Um, kinda... roll. <laughs> love it. Um, some housekeeping here now moving into some of the, the roster stuff. Um, kind of has you know p- perked up the last couple of days. Just a lot to discuss with uh, Vinny Henestrosa, of course, had gotten in the lineup to, you know for a handful of games since he got called up from Wilkes. Was injured in that Carolina game that you were covering out in Raleigh and did not play Sunday night. Jeff Carter slid in for him, and Chad Ruido left halfway through the third period. Uh, was injured in Sunday night's game. Uh, afterwards, Sullivan said that he's still being evaluated, but. Uh, you know, we talked about it so much in the preseason about how much the Penguins' uh, depth would be challenged uh, in the bottom six in particular, but also with that third pair of defensemen, uh, just based on how many guys they brought into camp. Um, we might be seeing that happen here for sure. Um, so what, what are your kind of takeaways from how the Penguins move forward with this? They have a lot of options in terms of roster construction and whether they want to carry tw- 13 forwards and seven defensemen or 12 forwards and eight defensemen like they did earlier in the year. Didn't even mention the P.O. Joseph injury um, that popped up here. So a lot to discuss. Um, you know, what, what do you kind of expect for the Penguins to do here with constructing the roster? We said they have flexibility. I don't think they have flexibility. I mean, if anything, this could be a test of Cal Dubas's salary cap wizardry because, yes. you know, they're so tight against the cap. They only get cap relief if they put players on long-term injured reserve. So P.O. Joseph, as of right now, Monday afternoon is on a regular IR that frees up a roster spot, but they don't have any cap space to use it. So, um, you know, for context, the Penguins are off today. Um, before we record this, they practice Tuesday and Cranberry. We'll get more answers there. But, you know, if it's a scenario where Chad Ruedel and Vinny Hestroza and Estroza, um, you know, potentially can't play Wednesday, the Penguins are going to have to make another move to, to try to, you know, or play shorthanded against, um, you know, the Rangers on Wednesday. So it'll be interesting to see, like, we don't know how bad these injuries are. Maybe it's not even worth um, spending too much time on, but they've kind of painted themselves into a salary cap corner, um, you know, just with how tight they are up against the cap. So maybe it's as simple as, okay, like we convert PO to long-term IR or we do something like that. But um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. And then obviously, um replacing these guys. I mean, John Ludwig looks like he's probably ready to come up. I mean, if it is something where Chad's not available and they can swing it, it seems like he would get a chance to come up and play on the third pair with Ryan Shea. And then they're, they're okay at Ford, right? I mean, unless there's, you know, well, I mean, it depends on if you think whether playing Jeff Carter is okay. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm laughing because I know that's what people at home are probably thinking. Uh, it's yep. not okay. We got to play Jeff Carter. Um, <laughs> I don't think he's been like a huge liability this year because he plays so little. But anyways, yeah, it's it's really going to be fascinating to see just what they do if some of these guys aren't able to play in this upcoming game. I mean, it's not out of the question. They play with 17 skaters instead of 18 and just try to get by. Yeah, Is that something that you would I, – I, it's hard to say now just because, again, we're kind of predicting a lot and taking guesses, throwing things at the dartboard. But would that be 
something that you would expect or is that kind of a long shot for them to go, you know, only dress 17 skaters based on injuries and things like that? Um, a long shot. I don't know. I mean, we don't know what these injuries are, so it, it's yeah. hard to say. And, and maybe it's such an easy answer because I mean, PO last played in the game in San Jose. Um, that was the fourth today's the 20th, you know, we're already kind of getting closer to if they just put him on LTIR retroactively to that day. I mean, we're, we're looking at maybe him missing only like an extra, I don't know. I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but like five more games or something like that. So maybe they just say, okay, that's, that's the solution. That's what we do. Um, but I mean, look, you see, you've seen teams around the league do it um, this year already. They've had to play shorthanded because of their cap. I, I want to say that um, that's been the case with the Leafs under Cal Dubas previously. I know they had to kind of sign a, an e-bug type to a PTO to, to come up and back up um, a goalie because they were so tight up against the cap. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, like I said, Cal um, has shown this kind of, maneuvering before to, to kind of make it work tied up against the cap. And, you know, the, if anything, the takeaway here is like, it, it's such a, it's a, such a thin line for them with these injuries where if they get a cluster of injuries that are short-term injuries, as opposed to being able to put guys in LTIR, um, it's going to be problematic for them. Yeah. Kind of the cost of doing business, right. To get Eric Carlson, you bring in a guy like that. It just makes it that much more difficult to construct the rest of the roster um, certainly something that we'll, we'll be monitoring here moving forward. Um, next thing I wanted to get into with you was talk about Sidney Crosby's hot start. I mean, it's no surprise to anybody around here, right, what this guy is capable of when he's firing on all, firing on all cylinders. Um, but you look recently at his 11-game point streak snapped on Sunday. Um, he's among the leaders for goals as well as best plus minus in the NHL. I think sixth in goals with 12, seventh best plus minus. Um, you know, we've talked about it a bunch. And so is Mike Sullivan. So have other guys around the room about, you know, how they're unsurprised by this from Sid. But is it at all at this stage in his career that, you know, I feel like the right word to use the, to describe that stretch was dominance from Sid, um, that we're still seeing that in this, what could for many guys be a twilight of their career that he's still playing at this level? Yeah, it's wild because, like, we expect it. I mean, you just expect him to continue to to be awesome. And Eventually, there's going to be a point in time, maybe when he's like 68 years old, where he's not going to be awesome. He'll just be like a league average NHL player. <laughs> but it really is wild. I mean, I shouldn't say it's surprising. I mean, one, he's just um, an all-time great, and that's a combination of talent and drive and conditioning. Um, so, like, you see why he's able to to continue to, to play well. But I, I think it's also just, like, the way he plays the game. He's just, like, he's the type of guy that, it's not unrealistic to think maybe a decade from now he's still hanging on, maybe not a decade from now because he would be what, like 46, but you know, like five, six years from now, he's still hanging on in his early forties is like a, a pretty good third line center um, because he's just so smart and he's so driven and uh, he just has a lot of tolls in his bag. So yeah, he's been great. Expected it. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he's going to, you know, continue to score at this clip. Um, I know last year he topped out at what, like 93 points, and that was in playing in every single game. Um, you know, the last time a guy who was over 35 um, who hit triple digits in points, I want to say that was like Joe Sackick back in the early 2000s. So if he were to do that, it would be not unprecedented, but at least in, in, in this era. So, yeah, he uh, continues to impress um, and, you know, Geez, I mean, where would the Penguins be without him? I mean, they're already hovering around 500 right now. 
um, you know, with him playing so well. And had he not been playing this well, um, you know, we we uh, then they might be in a pretty deep hole. Right. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's so impressive just on both ends too. I mean, we talk so much about what he does offensively, but the thing that's really stood out to me, this being the second year covering the team, is just you know, any person watching this podcast knows how good he is defensively, but. Again, at this stage, like how smart of a player he is on the four check, you know, what he provides for them in that avenue. It's the conditioning is, you know, unparalleled, really. I feel like among the forwards. I mean, you can certainly look at the defensemen at Chris Letang and Eric Carlson as two guys who are um, incredibly conditioned in their own right. But what Sid shows in that regard, just the way that it's a conscientious two way game, it jumps off the page to me, at least, it feels like. Yeah. And another note, I mean, just for this production, how much of it has come at five on five? Um, the power play isn't even going. I mean, if the power play was, was really clicking, um, you know, he would be right up with, you know, atop the league um, with some of these guys. So it just goes to show you that, you know, he's done so much of this at five on five, whereas a lot of the guys piling up points, um, you know, that they've definitely had a little bit of a bump from what they were able to do in the power play. Yeah. Another unit that, you know, we've talked about of, you know, that's one that's kind of struggled, but for what it's worth um, Sunday night at PPG paints arena, the crowd did like the first power play. The opportunities they generated off that, but of course, uh, came up fruitless. So, certainly, a unit we'll still keep tabs on. Um, with that, I think it's time we transition into t- stick taps. Am I up first, Matt, or is this all you? I mean, you're the host. <laughs> you're you're in your childhood bedroom. I feel like you should get the pick. Well, in that case, I guess I'll go first and feel the wrath of it after, because um, I know exactly what's coming here. Um, uh, stick taps go out to to Noel Chari. Uh, got off the schneid with his first goal as a Penguin in his 17th game. And, uh, of course, really enjoyed getting to write about him for the story that's live on our site here on Monday. Him there it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, the yeah. whole reason. Just give yourself <laughs> a stick tap. Uh, yeah, I'd like to give a stick tap to myself for writing an awesome Noel Chari feature. Everybody go read it. And then you just log off. It would be kind of – I mean, it would be cool. I don't have that in my bag, but I'd feel really cool doing it. Now, did you did you purposely time it to come right after his 400th career game as well, or was that just a, a coincidence? Coincidence on the 400 career games, uh, but you know, I'm just the master of timing. That he scores his first goal, and then a feature comes out the next morning. I mean, that I planned that. See, they're going to think we planned it like it's been in the bag, and they were just waiting for him to score, and then we're like, let's run it. But nope, just pure coincidence. But <laughs> sick taps to him, and sick taps to you. It, it's a great story. Everyone read it. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate that. That, that got me in the heart. That feels good. Okay. Let's not get carried away here. Uh, my stick tab, uh, I'm going to go another milestone. Jeez. Um, it feels like we do this every week, but Chris Letang, 700 career points, um, becomes, I think, the 28th defenseman in league history, 10th to do it with the same team to hit that. Um, and obviously, like, anytime um, Chris hits a milestone, you just can't help but admire and take note of the fact that he – is doing it after having multiple strokes and a pretty serious neck injury. Um, you know, it's pretty admirable, um, his dedication to the game. And, oh, yeah, he's a very good, talented player who's probably going to be a Hall of Famer someday. So sick taps to him. Obviously, he got the milestone point on Sid's second goal in Carolina. Um, came in a losing effort, but um, still, incredible accomplishment. And it feels like this team with all these older players, they have a different one of these, like, every week. It's, it's pretty wild. Yeah, I think Mike Sullivan said as much on Tuesday after the game in Columbus about uh, Sid passing Guy Lafleur, and I was like, yeah, that's kind of an accurate way of putting it. I feel like it's every week there's something new, but 
I it's gonna be hard. And we're always like, hey, can you talk about Sid being great again? Like he should just have like a pre-recorded message that he just like plays. Like, here you go, hang on. Hits a tape recorder or like a you know recorder and it just plays it back. I mean, it, it's it's gonna be hard. It's like he, he always has to answer these questions and he's probably running out of things to say if he hasn't already. Yeah, it's and it's I mean it's repetitive because it is. If they keep being successful, they keep doing great things, well you're probably going to say something similar. It's not like you're going to say, oh, well, this accomplishment is far superior to the other one, right? I mean, Is this you talking about your Achari feature again? Uh, I think oh, I'm going to log off now. I think I'm done. I'm, we probably should anyways. <laughs> on that note, thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, appreciate the viewership as always. Be sure to follow along with all of our content covering the Penguins as well as the rest of the coverage there at the Post-Gazette at post-gazette.com. Uh, for Matt, I'm Andrew. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and we will catch you all again next week. Thank you for checking out this content from Post Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com.